Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. This morning, later in the program, I have the honor to talk with Chris Selfridge. He's a dog handler, that dog you've seen, because the images of 9-11 that we saw of a dog in a Stokes basket uh, going from one side of, and he'll describe why this happened, I'm sure, one side of this huge pile, mountainous pile of debris, to the other. There was no way to traverse that for the dogs. And they thought, okay, we're going to take the dog in a Stokes basket. Uh, it kind of looks like a stretcher of sorts. Uh, and that image went around the world. And what those dogs did after 9-11 uh, to search and rescue, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how these dogs are trained in the first place as well. Uh, with Chris, who's become a friend over the years. But now, first, we have on the phone George Lennon, a franchise owner of, I think, 7,612 uh, Pet Supplies Plus stores. Uh, you're, you've, got, you've got quite a dynasty going, 14 stores with more to come, I think. And Michelle Parks, assistant store team manager at Pet Supplies Plus in Crystal Lake, who I'm told is awesome, and I love having awesome guests. Hi, guys. Hi, Steve. Great to be here. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the pet world right now. So what happened, George, during the pandemic, uh, you'll describe to me how business went, but adoptions went way up. Animal shelters said all over the country, actually all over the world. We don't know if we're going to be able to come in and feed the dogs or walk the dogs. Or for cats, same thing. We don't know if we can come in, not to mention scoop the litter boxes. We don't even know if we can come in to feed them. You know, because we don't know what's about to happen. So all of these shelters said, please help adopt these animals, and people stepped up. So right now, there are a record number of dogs and cats in America. With that happening, the retail stores, kind of it was a catch-22. I don't know. You'll have to explain, George, because on one hand, we couldn't go out. But on the other hand, we had all these new pets, and the pets we've always had, they still needed food and People still purchase toys and other items. So, was it a roller coaster during the pandemic? Uh, absolutely, Steve. It, it was something um, I've never seen before. There was, of course, the panic buying in 2020 and uh, February, March, when it all hit, and we saw record numbers. It was incredible. And then, just like that, it was like someone turned the spigot off and everything took a dive. Um, and we had a pivot, and I think our team just did tremendous, tremendous work uh, where we turned on the online sales, uh, buy online, pick up in store. We got delivery vans, and uh, corporate had the software all ready to go, and it just really, really worked out well for us. But we had a claw, no pun intended, our way back, um, like <laughs> everybody else. And um, those who pivot and were able to maneuver through this, um, did did okay, and thank God. And there are a lot of business owners that unfortunately really struggled so so terribly during this time. You know, Michelle, uh, George kind of mentioned that people went overboard. I mean, did people, I've, I've heard this happened, stockpile pet food in their garage like they did toilet paper in their homes? Oh, my gosh. People would come in and they'd leave with like five 40-pound bags of dog food. They, they absolutely did. 
Wow. Uh, did you talk to any of these folks to say, okay, why are you doing this? And it's interesting because right now we have supply issues, which I'll ask you about, but back then we didn't, uh, but some of them were created by people doing just that. That's true, but I think the biggest thing to remember is today people think of their pets as family. So if you couldn't feed your child, you're going to take whatever you think you're going to need to get through. And I think it was kind of that. Nobody knew what was coming tomorrow. That's so true. that's kind of how they responded to it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, but we do have supply issues now in all sorts of different unexpected ways. I went to uh, the the food store up and and I was going to buy cottage, not cottage cream cheese. And uh, I couldn't find any. So I asked the guy, you know, who's stocking the shelf. I said, uh, I, I thought I was in the wrong place. I said, where's the cream cheese? And he said, we don't have any. We'll have some next Tuesday, which was about a week away. I said, why? He said, supply issues. So, uh, in, yeah, cream cheese, you know. So in unexpected places even, there are. So are we having that in the pet world, uh, George? Yes, we are in some of the major brands. But thank goodness in, in our chain and our Pet Supplies Plus, we have such a wide variety of different types of brands, um, different toys, everything you need, we have. And that's why we really, really encourage people to come back into the stores, look around and talk to our team members. Um, We will make it fit for your pets, whatever they need. We have it. You know, uh, Michelle, I want to ask you about that, actually, about going into the store. So, so many of us are which is fine, and you say you could shop online via Pet Supplies Plus. You could shop online on all sorts of different places, right, for our pets, uh, for all mm-hmm. sorts of different products. Having said that, is there an advantage for people to come into the store? For one thing, it's a social outing for the dog, potentially for some cats, even the cat, but also also a way that the dog can say, I want that toy, but maybe more importantly, so you can actually... Read the packaging in person, ask questions in person, that kind of thing. Is there an advantage? Nothing wrong with shopping online. I'm not knocking it. But are there at times anyway advantages to being in a store, a pet store? Other than making our day and letting us see your pets? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, absolutely. You can ask those questions that you're not thinking of. When you're in the store and you see multiple choices of something or you're kind of like overwhelmed, we can kind of tell you things that you never thought you needed to ask. Um, some things are brand new that just came out that haven't even made it to the online thing yet, depending on the day. So they're definitely being able to ask those questions, being able to have us help with things like harness fittings and collar fittings and, and stuff like that. Not to mention, we've got the self-service dog wash here. So when you bring your pet in, you can do it with us. And then we clean up the mess when you're gone. I mean, you can't beat that. No, you cannot beat that. Uh, you know, George, you were talking about products. I'm a proponent of, and some of the shortages, one of the reasons now why I'm a proponent, and there are other reasons for this, of feeding kittens, especially dogs. It's not as much of an issue, though it can be. Uh, a variety of different foods, different textures, more important to cats than taste, incidentally, but also different taste, uh, is that, well, what if that cat in particular, but also dog, may need a prescription diet or a change down the road? But now it's also, what if that food isn't available anymore? Uh, now your cat, again, more of a cat issue than dog, will be accustomed to feeding, okay, I can't get that, but I'll get that. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Um, and again, we have such a variety 
Um, and we, what we tell, tell our neighbors that come into our stores, if it doesn't work for you, bring it back. We'll give you a full refund, and we'll find something that does work for you. We're, we're very, very flexible because we care so much, and, and we know cats are finicky, um, and a lot of neighbors will come in and say, my cat won't eat. But a lot of times, you just got to try to keep trying different varieties. Um, we also have a wide variety of frozen refrigerated options uh, for both the dogs and cats, and that's probably the highest level of food that you can feed your, your pets. Well, I'm not so sure about the highest level of food, but I am sure of this, <laughs> that you both are involved with the world's largest dog wedding, which we will talk about when we come back on WGN. Back talking about, well, with George Lennon, he's a franchise owner of Pet Supplies Plus, many, many stores, Michelle Parks, assistant store team manager. Is that right, Michelle? That works. That works. <laughs> At a Pet Supplies Plus in Crystal Lake. And you're both involved with uh, lots of non-for-profits. That's the thing I love about Pet Supplies Plus, among other things, uh, is that you do support, for example, uh, I know that many of the stores that you own, George, are involved with adopting pets. In spe- and all of them are involved with adoption, but specifically from Anderson Animal Shelter, where how many have been adopted, you told me? So uh, we just had our fifth anniversary of a satellite adoption facility that we built next to our North Aurora store, and we've adopted out over 4,000 dogs and cats. Amazing. And it's just amazing, yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, Michelle, world's largest dog wedding. Why are you Tell me about it. So um, the world's largest dog wedding, they tried last year to go ahead and break the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, they fell a little bit short, so we're going to give it a try again this year with some help from our great friends over at the Kane County Cougars. Um, we are actually supporting K9 for Warriors through that. If you want all the information, it's at largestwedding.com. Largestdogwedding.com. Largestdogwedding.com. <laughs> yeah, and, and in fact, there are several nonprofits that help out. This particular one pairs dogs that are available for adoption and potentially potentially could be euthanized. These dogs saves their lives with humans whose lives are changed, if not saved altogether, who happen to be veterans that have served all of us, correct? Absolutely. It's such a wonderful cause. Yes, it is. Uh, And there are other causes that are being supported by this, too. So not only a lot of fun, but lots of causes do benefit from the world's largest dog wedding. That is October 2nd, the event itself at Northwestern Medicine Field. It's in Geneva. It's where the King County Cougars play baseball. Uh, but they're not playing that day. Instead, you have a bunch of dogs that'll be playing. Lots of events and activities for the dogs as well. Why did you decide, Michelle, I want to be involved in this? I mean, it's the Guinness Book of World Records, but outside of that, the charities that they go ahead and have, like last year, they highlighted so many different rescues, and it's just it's just nice to be able to hand back into the community and do whatever we can to support that. Excellent. So. That's worldslargestdogwedding.com. George, Michelle, thank you for all the great work you do, in particular all those adoptions. That's quite incredible. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank Steve, you. and thank you for your wonderful show. Remembering 9-11, we saw that golden retriever named Riley on a Stokes basket, as they're called, being carried over ground zero. That was the most photographed search-and-rescue dog at Ground Zero. That dog belonged to Chris Selfridge, 
then a member of the Pennsylvania Task Force, Search and Rescue Task Force. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Uh, hey, Stu. Thanks for having me. So how did you hear about 9-11 happening, and when were you officially called in? Well, I was actually uh, in the middle of building my home. Um, I was working on the chimney that day, and uh, my wife had told me, you know, come in and look at the television, and we saw what was going on in New York City. And that was the first, uh, you know, the first signs of it was whenever the plane first hit the building. Did you know? Did you know that? Okay, I'm going to be called in for sure. Uh, in my gut, I think we all did. Um, you know, but you know, New York, the New York City Fire Department's the best that's out there, and uh, you know, I figured out they got this. But you were called in, and when you were called in. What was the scene like? Not only were you called in, of course, you and your partner, uh, a golden retriever named Briley. Uh, we did not have actually get on the site until the next morning, the morning of the 12th. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a pretty hectic operation at the time, you know, because everybody wanted your help. Um, whether you were a dog handler or you were carrying a search camera or or whatever. Everyone was just looking for help at their small little piece of the world. Did Riley find anything that made a difference? Your dog? Um, we did not find anybody alive. Um, however, uh, we kind of informally cross-trained the dogs into finding cadaver parts. Um, so the dogs did their own thing and, and uh, you know, they're smart, resilient animals, and uh, you needed to listen to what they were trying to tell you, and, and you know, they, they helped us provide some closure to some families, I'm sure. Right, yeah, I knew that, which is why I asked the question. That famous photo that I refer to of Riley, your dog, in the Stokes basket, how did that come about? Well, we, um, we were requested to assist with searching the top remains of the North Tower that day. And uh, the team from Pennsylvania decided the easiest way to transport equipment up to that area was to build that high line. And um, so they built that, and then they needed a dog, and they wanted a dog in a hurry. So we decided it was going to take uh, probably the better part of a half hour to walk there, half hour, 45 minutes, to walk over there with the dog and climb around and get there. So they decided to put them on a rope system and, and send them across, and I was able to get over to the other side and do what we needed to do. The photo was actually of him returning back to the other side whenever we were finished up for the day. Were people amazed, do you think, as the dogs did eventually get a lot of publicity for what they did? Uh, I mean, you knew what your dog could do. I know what dogs can do, but did the general public, do you think, uh, were they surprised? I, I don't know that they were surprised. Um, I think that um, they were they were intrigued by what they thought the dogs could do. But as, as the dogs did their job, I think you know the the positives really came out, um, and, and the dogs uh, really became uh, part of the story of that. That whole event. Yeah, indeed, that's true. And I think people remember that. Uh, this is now the 20th anniversary, of course. 
Uh, none of the dogs are here anymore because they just don't live long enough. How old was Riley when Riley was at Ground Zero? He was, I believe he was just turning six. And Riley passed away when? 2010, February of 2010. Yeah, yeah. He was, thir- he was 13. He lived a good life. Yeah, yeah, and a, a very important life. Uh, are you in touch with any of the other handlers that were there at the time? I, I, mean, I stay in touch with several, yeah. Um, a couple were still working dogs, a couple were not. Um, you know, we, we stay in touch and try to... Uh, just keep up the date, date with kids and dogs and everything else. Well, Chris, I thank you for your service at that point in time. It was invaluable. And thank you very much for reminiscing today about an event that I hope we never have anything like again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate the time with you. You know, we mentioned the world's largest dog wedding. And again, that website is largestdogwedding.com. Canines for Warriors, we've talked with them on on this show and the amazing work they do providing service dogs for veterans and the risk of suicide, as one example, for veterans reduces with a service dog by 82%. Now, the rate of suicide in America is already too high, just broadly speaking, but this brings veterans down from this about suicide a day or so down to about what the general public is, uh, maybe even lower. I mean, that's a service dog can do that? Yes. And now the veterans are, in addition to that, uh, perhaps have a job. Uh, perhaps they are still taking medications, but fewer of them or lower doses or even no medications. Uh, they feel more confident and are more likely to spend money by being out in public more often, all of which is good for all of us and, and the economy. But most importantly, it's what the veterans have given for us, for our country. Don't they deserve a service dog? And the government offers zero help financially, zero help as far as them getting a service dog. So Canines for Warriors, among the organizations, there are others, including local shelters, that uh, the world's largest dog wedding will support. Largestdogwedding.com, October 2nd. But for more information, it's in Geneva at Northwestern Medicine Field, where the King County Cougars play. But for more information, simply go to the website, and lots of it is there. Uh, you know, today is 9-11, and not only must we remember what happened that day, and so many people, as time goes on, you know, we forget, uh, but also the difference dogs made. Uh, I remember what, writing about that topic, and as a result of my story, I'm told the morning shows, I'm talking about the Today Show, Good Morning America. Uh, I'm not sure CBS This Morning was called CBS This Morning at that point in time, uh, but they all picked up on it. Uh, oh my gosh, these dogs are out there, and look at the difference they are making. And then for the families that then eventually visited Ground Zero, uh, they left from a dock. I don't remember, Pier 47. I'm making up that number, but whatever the pier number is, people would spontaneously bring out their dogs. And in a story for Dog World magazine, which no longer exists, but I wrote that these dogs are comfort dogs. Well, how often have you heard that term since, you know? And those dogs uh, were well-meaning, not necessarily well-trained, but still made a difference. Dogs played a role in all of this. 
Let's just remember that day and the events of that day. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early, right here on WGN.